Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, an LA cop hunting down replicants. And with me today to help explain what it's like to be a cyborg created for deep space military operations is a friend of mine and a coach for Vanguard Tactics. He's the Roy Batty to my Rick Deckard, Mr. Matt Laura. Matt, welcome back to the show. How's it going? I am going pretty good. I uh, been loving my little beeping and booper guys. Yeah, I love that you're you're when you showed our uh, in our group chat. You showed the, your uh, lists. Some of your lists were beep boop and boop beep. <laughs> yeah. Today we are going to be talking about Necrons and the index cards for 10th edition, and we will be the data slate just came out. So Matt's going to give us his um, his takes on the on the index cards with through the filter of the recent data slate and points changes. So. You guys are going to be getting some pretty bleeding edge information here on Necrons today. So I think it's going to be a really good episode. Before we get into the substance, of course, we got to stop for our first sponsor of the day, The Outpost. The Competitive 40K podcast is proudly supported by The Outpost, your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting The Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables, and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, The Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in-store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review if you'd be so kind. Uh, Don't forget to check out, to follow us all on Instagram uh, if you get a chance. Um, and, uh, Matt, anywhere people can find you online if they want to, after today, they want to follow you and get some more information on what you're doing. Yeah. I'm mainly just on Facebook and a lot of the competitive groups. And I'm also, of course, in the Vanguard Tactics Academy, uh, discord. So that's the two places that people can find me the most. Awesome. Uh, so without further ado, let's talk about Necrons. So Matt, what is, obviously this is the army of you, they fall down and then sometimes they stand back up again. But besides that, what what are the expectations that people should have if they're playing this army for the first time or they're facing going against it for the first time? So Necrons have probably some of the most durable units in the entire game at the moment. They have a lot of good primary objective play, and they also have a surprising amount of good secondary play. Their key things are durability, survivability, and, of course, some random weird tricks that a lot of the Xenos factions tend to have. Uh, Necrons can get a lot of extra movement out of some uh, cool rules that they have, but are generally pretty slow. Even their faster units uh, pale in comparison to a lot of other armies' faster units. Okay. Uh, and the army rule for the Necrons leads completely into that durability, which is reanimation protocol. So it's uh, I'll read it over real quick, and then you give us the... The, the summary of how this actually functions when you, when you play Necrons. So it says, if your army faction is Necrons at the end of your command phase, each unit from your army with this ability activates its reanimation protocols and reanimates D3 wounds. So every command phase automatically D3 wounds. Each time such a unit reanimates a wound, if that unit contains one or more models with fewer than their starting number of wounds remaining, select one of those models, that model regains one lost wound. If all models in that unit had their starting number of wounds, but that unit is not at its starting strength, one destroyed model is returned to that unit with one wound remaining. Once such a unit is at its starting strength and all of its models have their starting number of wounds, nothing further happens. So, pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Basically, everything in your army heals D3 every single turn. All right, nice and simple. But uh, it's worth noting, you can get some free movement out of it. I thought they, there was a rule that they clarified so that you can't like chain out guys anymore. 
So you can't chain off of ones that just entered this phase, but you can still place your new models in the front of the unit two inches away. Okay, so you can creep forward a little bit. Yeah, you can creep forward a little bit. So you figure most Necrons are on 32, so it's like an inch and a half almost. Uh, and then two-inch coherency. So every single time you're reanimating, there's almost three and a half extra inches of movement if you reanimate forward. And then some of the models have bigger bases. That's even more distance. Fair enough. All right. Uh, and then the detachment rule is command protocols. Uh, it's a concept we've heard of before, but it doesn't work at all like the very confusing protocols that we had last edition. This just says, while a Necron's character model is leading this unit, each time a model in this unit makes an attack, add one to the hit roll. So, very simple. Very simple, straightforward, and so much less complicated than all of the uh, protocols in ninth edition, which was one of the most comp- unnecessarily complex mechanics I think we had in ninth. So, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we will we'll come back around to well. Okay, first, what's your thought of of um, of the ar- the detachment rule and the army rule? Overall, so reanimation protocols is by far the strongest thing that makes this book function. Uh, later in the um, review, we will see how the reanimation protocols can really stack on. Um, the command protocols for the plus one hit is very nice. Um, there is ways to give the bonus to units that don't have leaders, which is kind of cool. Um, but just having plus one to hit on some of your key units, it's not bad. Um, it Definitely doesn't come into play as much as, I don't know, maybe getting the reroll of hit and wound every single time you attack like Eldar. <laughs> right. Uh, that seems pretty good, but uh, overall, it's a fairly decent one. It allows your key units that are being led by characters to pack an extra punch, which is nice. Okay, cool. Uh, so let's start talking about data sheets, but before we get into that, we're going to stop real quick for another sponsor break Color Forge. The Competitive 4K Podcast is supported by Colorforge. I found Colorforge 18 months ago and I was blown away by the quality of the product. I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and have always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to Citadel base colors, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products. And ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget to come join us uh, at the competitive Warhammer 40k community Facebook page. Uh, the password for this month is still Death Leaper. Uh, don't and I, you guys are continuing to be hilarious with your spellings. Just get close, and I'll let you in. And uh, uh, VT News, there's a whole lot of tournaments coming up. I know Steve is playing in a tournament. I think this weekend, next weekend, and then the following weekend is the London Grand Tournament. So if you're in the UK, obviously you guys have a bunch of events kicking off. I had haven't found anything down in my area here in the southeast. Um, Matt, you're up in the northeast of the US. Where you got any big events coming up? Not that I know of. There's the um, the Warhammer uh, World Championship in Georgia coming up in November. And I will be taking Necrons. No, oh, awesome. Outstanding. So then this is... Uh, your knowledge of this faction is so good. I'm, I'm so excited to hear what you're <laughs> going to say about these data sheets. So let's just get to it. Um, obviously, there's there's several characters in these uh, in the data sheets, not not as much as in some factions, more than in others. Poor Votan. Um, so what? Um, we, uh, let's. I'm just going to ask you real quick. The Silent King. He was sort of an auto take in ninth. Is he still 
a, a worthwhile choice in this edition? Um, I personally don't really like him at the moment. Um, as far as durability goes, he is not anywhere near as durable as a lot of the other big units in the game, like Wraith Knights or Imperial Knights. Uh, and a lot of people are packing a lot of big Titanic anti-tank guns, so all those guns are given a very good target once you put the Silent King on the table. So at uh, a little over 400-something points, I, I really... He can be good in some lists. He's a really good force multiplier, but I think in the current meta, he is a little bit more of a liability than a uh, a boon, I guess you could say. Okay. Uh, what about any of the other named characters? Um, a lot of the named characters are interesting choices. Um, there is a couple that do like stand out as having some pretty cool stuff. Most notably, uh, my boy, the ancient dementia-ridden robot himself, Nemosaur Zandrek. I don't know if you know his lore at all, but he uh, thinks he's still skin and bones and not a robot. It's really funny. You should look up his lore if you guys don't know it. Um, he has this cool ability where um, it's kind of like the new Agents of Vect version in 10th edition where he can pick a stratagem that your opponent uses and make it cost an additional CP for the rest of the game, which is kind of cool. Okay. He's got some neat tricks. Uh, his buddy Vargard Oberyn can give a unit fight first, which is kind of okay. Um, but a lot of the Necron special characters are all on foot, and a lot of them really don't add a whole lot to the faction, unfortunately, right now. Illuminor Zerus and Imatech the Stormlord are the next two decent ones. Imatech the Stormlord, he gives you an extra command point every command phase. Not every command phase, your command phase. So, he's kind of nice to farm CP, but he doesn't really do much else for your army, unfortunately. They took away a lot of his cool lore abilities, so he's kind of left with just farming UCP. Uh, and Illuminor Zerus is really good if you're doing a warrior-centric army. Uh, like If you're running two, three units of warriors, Illuminor Zerus is probably an auto-take. But if you're not really running a lot of warriors, then Zerus doesn't really do anything for your army, because he only affects uh, battle line units with uh, his ability. Okay. And battle line for this index is just warriors? And immortals. And immortals. Okay. And I see, uh, just glancing at Zerus' uh, data sheet, I was like, he doesn't have leader or loan op, but I re- then I read a little further down. If he's within three inches of a Necron's unit, he gets loan op. Yeah, so, so you keep him next to the warriors, he's safe. Yeah, okay. That tracks. All right. Um, so overall, your, your competitive list does not contain any named characters, it sounds like? Uh, it does not. Okay. Which is not to say that they're not playable or viable. It's just not your playstyle. Yeah, my, my playstyle is uh, a very MSU trade style, and none of the special characters lead to that playstyle, really. Okay. All right. Uh, so then let's talk about the characters that you do care about, the ones that, that have a little bit more customization. Um, which ones are your, are your takes? So the two best Necron characters, in my opinion... Most Necron players' opinions probably are the two most boring ones. The Necron Overlord and the Technomancer. Those are like the bread and butter characters um, that make some of your Anvil units really hard to shift. Uh, So I'll start with the Overlord, I guess, because he is the Overlord. He is your Warlord. Might as well start. Right. So the Overlord's cool. Um, He is actually fairly tanky for just like a small cheap foot character 
Uh, he's sitting at like 85 points. He's toughness 5. He's got a 2 up, 4 up. And he also ha uh, reduces damage by 1. I mean, that's right. pretty tanky for just a, a dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, so he's pretty cool. Um, he is, a, of course, a leader. He can join Warriors, Lich Guard, and Immortals. Yep. Um, and he's got a cool thing where, like, Space Marine Captains and all that sort of thing, he can use the Stratagem for free. Now, of course, with the new um, balance update, that is now hindered a lot because you can only use a certain type of uh, command Point. Yeah, the battle. It has to be the battle tactic. Strategy. Battle tactic. Yes, yeah. I couldn't remember the name. The uh, stratagems they were. Um, so that obviously was a lot stronger than it is now, but he's still great. Uh, the thing that really makes him great is a resurrection orb. And this is where all the res orb and healing stuff really just starts off right off the bat. So while the bearer is leading a unit. That unit's reanimation protocols activate at the end of your opponent's command phase in addition at the end of yours. So now you're healing both times. Right. And that means you're getting movement both times. It's, right. It can add up pretty fast. Uh, I like movement shenanigans, and this, this really puts it forward. It's really funny when people ask, oh, how far does that unit move? And you're like, five. And then all of a sudden, you're halfway across the table in a turn or two, and people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa what just happened here? So, right. So, he doesn't do a whole lot outside of that, unfortunately. He does have a pretty cool melee weapon, which every single time he's been in combat uh, has surprised my opponents. He's got uh, a Void Scythe. It's three attacks hitting on threes, but again, he's a character, he's leading a unit. So the entire unit's getting plus one to hit from the um, attachment ah, yeah. ability. So nice. he'll be hitting on twos. It's strength 12 minus three damage three with devastating wounds. It's pretty strong. I've never seen a foot character with a strength 12 melee weapon in this game. Right. Not unless he's like Angron sized. Yeah. So the fact that he's just walking up wounding custodes on twos at minus three damage three is honestly really funny. Yeah. No, that is. That that is comedy. I'm 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 a fan. So that's unfortunately all there is to him. He has some other war gear options, but the res orb and void scythe is like that is what you want to be taking. Um, right. So, and he's he's only eighty five points. So that's only eighty five. Incredibly affordable. Yeah. He. So. You should be having one in your list if you are running any like anvil style unit. Because uh, being able to give that anvil style unit the reanimation on both turns is crucial. Okay. So, and what about the technomancer? Technomancer. He a lot squishier. Just a lot squishier. He's not going to survive being punched in the face too much. So, unfortunately for him, though, uh, he shouldn't have to be punched in the face because he's deep in your unit of uh, friends. So. He's got a cool ability where he gives the entire unit he's leading a 5-up Feel No Pain. Nice. Just flat out, which is awesome. And even better, because of how the Necron nobility work and how their court systems work, a Technomancer can join a unit that a noble has already joined. An overlord is a noble. So now you can take this overlord and the Technomancer and join them to the same unit. So Got now it. you have the Resorb triggering twice, you have the entire unit giving a Feel No Pain, 
all of this stacking on top of each other. You start to really get some efficiency out of a unit. Um, he has another ability where at the end of your movement phase, you can pick a model within three inches and heal it for D3. So it's even just even more healing. Nice. And then he's got a, a piece of war gear. He gets to pick one of two. He can pick the Canoptic Cloak, which gives him the fly, lone operative, and movement 10 characteristic. Which is nice, um, but he's going to be in units most of the time, so the lone operative and all that doesn't really matter as much. In fact, it can actually be a hindrance because him having the fly keyword gives the unit the fly keyword. So if someone's shooting at you with anti-fly, it does work. Found that out. Oh, okay. That was very odd to me. Yeah, I didn't realize that he would give the fly keyword to the rest of the unit. I had it... Uh, I had a judge tell me that's how it worked at Nova, uh, and I was like, well, thankfully I don't have that gear, I have the other gear. And uh, my opponent with all his Icarus rocket pods got sad. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the other piece of gear is the Canoptic Control Node, and I love this piece of war gear. It is a 6-inch aura that gives Canoptic units plus 1 to hit. Now, the reason why that's cool is Canoptic units, none of them have access to having a leader in their unit. Right. So this allows the Canoptic units to actually get plus one to hit. And worth noting, almost all of the Canoptic stuff hits on fours because it's like robots and Autonoma. It's not like actual Necrons. So being able to get them to hitting on threes is really strong. Okay, very cool. Canoptic units are the, the Team Spiders, the Wraiths. Scarabs. Scarabs. Uh, what else the am I Doom Stalkers. Oh, okay. All that stuff's canoptic. Okay. Oh, and the reanimators, obviously, the canoptic reanimators. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, any other characters worth mentioning? So there is more characters worth noting, but I want to put like a little asterisk next to the Technomancer. While we're here, we might as well talk about the, um, oh, what is their actual name? I only know their joke name. Uh, the Crypto Thralls. Oh, right. Yeah, because I, they are part of the Cryptech group. Um, they have really odd rules. The fact that GW decided to go the direction they did with these is astonishing to me. Um, but they did it, so we're stuck with it. And uh, as Necron players, we should definitely abuse it to the end of time. <laughs> so these little guys, they did receive a hefty points increase, as they should. Um, they are 60 points for two bottles, which sounds like a lot, and it is. But the amount of durability that these little guys give is hilarious. I've had these two guys soak so much firepower from my opponents that they just sit there and shake their head after it's all said and done. So, these guys, their toughness 4, they got a 3-up save and 2 wounds. On the surface, not that tanky. Um, they have a okay ranged attack and melee weapon. We're not really here for all that. Uh, their abilities, though. They have a 4-up field of pain, which is something. That is something. <laughs> that is something. Um, and this is where it gets really weird. They have a um, Cryptek Retinue special rule. So, they themselves are a unit of two models. They get to join a unit that a Cryptek has joined. Okay? Okay. But here's where it gets weird. They count... As part of that bodyguard unit, they are not a character that's attached. They are not a separate unit that's attached. They become 
part of the starting strength of the bodyguard unit. Okay? So what that means is once that your unit is attacked, so let's say we have a unit of Necron Warriors, right? And we have our Overlord and our Technomancer in that unit. We can then take these two Cryptothals because there's a Technomancer in the unit and join that unit as well. Okay? So, our Warrior unit gets shot, as it will probably end up being. We can then take the saves on the Crypto Thralls, because they are not attached characters. They are a part of the unit. So we can start taking the saves and tanking with the Crypto Thralls first, who have a 4-up Field of Pain. Now that the two Crypto Thralls have died, taking soaking up a bunch of damage, because they're part of the unit, they can be reanimated. Even if both of them are dead. Normally, when both of the model would be dead, if they were like an attached character, you wouldn't be able to reanimate them. But since they become part of the starting strength of the unit, they can be reanimated if they're both dead. Super interesting uh, choice that GW made there. But as of right now, that is in fact how that works. And with their 20-point increase, GW is very aware of how that's how that works. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, at the moment, they instantly add a bunch of durability to a unit by just existing. It's hilarious. I've had things from entire LAS cannons being soaked by one of these guys with their four-up funeral pains. I've had mortal wounds from Magnus the Red be all soaked on their four-up funeral pain. It is honestly one of the funniest units and weirdest units in the entire book. Going from there... When you have your Overlord, your Technomancer, and your Crypto Thralls, all of a sudden you have this durability package, if you will, that you can just attach to something and immediately make it more durable. Yeah, and uh, Warriors can still go up to 20 models, right? They can. So you that's a huge brick of, we're not going anywhere. No, no, no you're not. All right. Um, how about the, uh, the Catacomb Command Barge? So, that's actually one of my units that I would say is underrated. Okay. I love the Catacomb Command Barge. It's in my current tournament list. I'm trying to make it work. We'll see if I can. Uh, <laughs> I have an event before the GW Finals that I'm going to test it out in, and I have all the hopes for it. So, have you looked at its data sheet yet? I'm glancing at it now. Do not look at its points. <laughs> Okay. So, I want you to guess by the time we're done. Okay. Okay. So it's got a nine inch move. It's toughness eight, three up, four up. Decent. Not amazing, but decent. Right. It's got an ability where if your strength is higher than its toughness, you're minus one the wounded. So a little bit more durability there. It means most of the time it's going to be, be wounded on fours from a lot of uh, stronger anti tank weapons, which is nice. It has a six inch aura of plus one objective control. I think that's the only aura of increasing objective control I've seen in the game. Yeah, I can't think of one. So all of a sudden, you have this model who's not a small model. It is a chunky little boy. It's the size of like a baseball. Right. And it has a six-inch aura of plus one objective control, which is really cool. It also has a resorb. But then you're going to be like, wait a second, that unit 
is a, by itself. It's not leading a unit. So how does its resorb work? Its resorb is slightly different. At the end of your opponent's command phase, you get to pick a unit that's um, infantry or mounted within six inches and trigger its reanimation protocols. All right. So you could double Wait. up with, with reanimation protocols. Yeah, which is really cool. And I got this cleared with several judges because I thought it was a little weird because the rules have the same name, but they are not auras. They are just a triggered ability that happened once and done. So what you could do is you could have your Overlord Technomancer Crypto Thrall package. You could uh, trigger your reanimation protocols on your turn, move up on your opponent's turn with the Resorb in the unit, trigger reanimation protocols. And then with this Catacomb Command Barge, pick that unit again and trigger it again. So you can really sure. start to stack these reanimation protocols really fast. It can yeah. only heal infantry and mount it, which sucks a little bit because you got a bunch of other units that you'd like to heal. But at the end of the day, just being able to look at your Lich Guard or your Warriors and be like, eh, have some extra dudes back is really nice. So outside of that, his damage output it's it's not great. Um, he will confidently fight a unit of five space marines. Um, he will not confidently fight a dreadnought. Okay. So I like him. How many points do you think this little guy is? Uh, one hundred twenty-five. He's one fifty. He, okay. He's right around that that interesting level of points. Right. I would say if he was anything more, he would start to get pretty bad. Uh, he is helped out by there's some pretty. Necrons actually have some pretty good enhancements. So you can, this is a good body to put some of those enhancements on, which is pretty cool. Um, So then we have some other characters to go through. I would say a notable one is the Hexmark Destroyer. I have seen him in some tournament lists. I haven't played against him, but I have seen him in some tournament lists. Or as I refer to him as Glockopus, because he's an octopus. Yes. Um, so he's got six shots hitting on twos, strength six, minus two, damage one. Not bad. Pretty good for like wearing stuff down. Um, they have pistols, so you can shoot while in combat. And they're precision, which is pretty nice, because you can slowly start to wear down their characters. And at six shots hitting on twos, at strength six, minus two, even though it's only damage one, your characters are going to get worn down. One, two turns of shooting, and this guy's probably going to get your character. Um, he has some of the wildest abilities. Uh, so first off, he's got lone operative, which is great, which means he's not being shot from far away. He gets to do his thing. He can deep strike, which is cool. Um, he once per turn can fire overwatch for zero CP, which is cool. Yeah. And it says, even if another unit has already done it this phase, um, so if you have one unit shoot Overwatch. He can also shoot Overwatch in that same phase for zero CP, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but he's got this rule called the multi-threat eliminator. Each time an enemy unit targets a Necron unit within three inches of this model with a ranged attack, after that enemy unit has shot, this model can shoot as if it were your shooting phase. So during your opponent's turn, if they shoot a unit near your Hexmark Destroyer, he gets to shoot. He does not have to shoot the unit that just shot. He can shoot any unit that he can see and is in range with. So you, it really makes your opponent 
think, do I have to shoot that unit? Do I want to try to do that? Because so many situations can pop up where, let's say he's next to a unit on an objective. All right, and they're trying to steal that objective and they have a unit on the objective as well. Well, if they shoot your unit that's on the objective, your hex mark can just shoot the unit that's trying to take the objective. Makes sense. Or you got a unit trying to run around in your backfield stealing your home field objective? Eh, put him on it. He'll get the overwatch for free and then if they shoot at anything on your objective, you get to shoot him back. Or the funniest situations is when he can see someone's character. And every single time someone shoots a unit nearby him, you'd be like, all right, I'm going to shoot your character because he's got precision. Which is really funny. And worth noting, that multi-threat eliminator has no cap. If he's next to a unit that's super tanky, I don't know, maybe a unit of Lich Guard, uh, and that unit gets shot seven times, guess who's shooting seven times? <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of, uh, yeah, that's a, that is a lot of shooting he's going to put out. And I don't know if you, did you mention that when he fires Overwatch, he hits on twos? I, I did forget to mention that, but yes, he does hit on twos when he fires Overwatch as well. So this little guy, he just makes your opponent think, which making your opponent think during a game of Warhammer is surprisingly strong because they're already thinking about a thousand other things. Making them have to think about a couple more things is, uh, it helps really put that pressure on. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, all right, so yeah, one other character you want to talk about, and then we got to move on to other stuff. There's so many characters here. I guess we should talk about the the Satan, shouldn't we? Do we have to? No, we should. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the Satans are characters. I'll do a quick summary of them. You ready? Yeah. The Deceiver and Nightbringer are cool, but struggle. Okay. Unfortunately, that is. I took the Nightbringer to Nova. And by the end of Nova, I kind of wish I hadn't. Um, there was a couple moments where he did decent, and I felt really happy. But a lot of the times, he was just kind of wandering around, and I was very sad. Okay. All right. Um, the Void Dragon, I would say, is the second best. Uh, mainly because uh, he can heal off of enemy vehicles, which is nice. And it's a very vehicle-heavy meta. So that's pretty decent. And he's also got some anti-vehicle attacks, so he can really put some hurt. Uh, a knight player doesn't want to see a void dragon on the table. I'll tell you that. Um, and by far the the best one is the transcendent satan, uh, which is the one that you see all over tournaments. Uh, the reason why you see him is he's toughness eleven with twelve wounds and four OC and a four invulnerable save. Uh, he halves damage just like all the other satan. Uh, he's got a pretty good melee and range profile. Um, they all have sustained hits, which is kind of nice. So he's got six shooting attacks and eight melee attacks, all sustained hits that all hit on twos. So he's pretty reliable on he's going to hit it, and he's going to hit it pretty decently hard. He's not going to walk up to a knight and kill it, but he will mess up some other stuff. Um, but he's got an interesting ability where whenever he chooses to advance, he can instead just teleport wherever he wants to on the table. What? 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 Yeah, you know, just, yeah, he's a Necron. I do what I want. Um, <laughs> so when he advances, you remove it from the battlefield and set it up uh, again anywhere on the battlefield that is more than nine inches away from all enemies. So turn one, it doesn't really matter where you put him for your deployment. Just put him wherever you want. Boop, over there. All right. 
And because, let me guess, because he can, and it says he, he, every time he advances, he teleports, but he has the seismic assault ranged weapon, which is an assault. So ah, anytime you yeah. teleport, he can do an action and score you points. Yes, he can. Or shoot with his gun. Now he can't charge. Sucks. But, you know, uh, just putting a satan wherever you want is also pretty nice. Um, now what makes him really strong and, I'm a little sad with GW, I will have to say. I was hoping they would just take it away from him entirely and keep his points where they were. But instead, they decided to allow him to keep doing this and up his points a bunch. They don't have the Transcendent Satan as epic heroes. Which means they can take enhancements because they are characters. Oh. Alright. Yeah. There is a enhancement called the Transmental Weave, I think it's called. I know it's something Weave. Uh, let me try to find the name real quick. I got him right here. It's uh, Detachment Hanses. Sepper Mental. I can't speak. Sempaternal Weave, yeah. Yeah, the Sempaternal Weave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, why don't you read what that one does real quick? Uh, let's see. The Sempaternal Weave, well, it's 10 points. So yeah. it's, it's very affordable. Yeah, and very affordable. It does. Uh, Necron's model only. The bearer has the Feel No Pain 4 plus ability. Just 10 points give your Satana 4 feeling pain. Sure. Yeah, you know, you know, the same Satan that can has teleport one does. has a 4 up invulnerable save, toughness 11, 12 wounds, heals every turn because he has reanimation protocols, and halves damage. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've had people put their entire army into him, and he just is like, ah, I'm good. That's <laughs> obscene. Somebody, really somebody, somebody needs to spell check that one. Um, I'm pretty disappointed that he was allowed to continue taking the supplemental weave. Um, I would much rather them just leave his points where they were and just not allow him to take that anymore. Um, right. But unfortunately, they just decided to hike his points up and allow him to take it. He is still very strong, don't get me wrong. Um, he is 310 points with the weave, I believe. Yeah. Um, it is very strong. It is a good chunk of your points, though. So you have to weigh out if you really want it. There is a lot of ups and downs for him. Um, some of the ups, obviously, as you can tell, he teleports around, he can score you stuff, and he's durable. His damage put output is good, but he can't really fight a lot of bigger things. He's only strength 9 in combat, which means he's wounding a lot of like bigger stuff on 5s. So he's really not like winning a fight versus like a Primarch or a Knight. Like he'll beat up an Armager, but that's that's about it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So he's he's not there to really kill things so much as to be a problem for your opponent. Yeah. So he is one of those things where it is going to come down to your playstyle if you want to take him or not. Uh, before where he was only two ninety, I think he was an auto take, unfortunately. But now at 310, I think it comes down to playstyle. Um, I would never fault somebody for taking him. Uh, I am personally looking at trying to drop him because I don't really want to play with him anymore. Uh, I want to play with a bunch of my other toys. Right. But um, yeah, he is very strong. Um, but unfortunately, at a high end of play, a really good player can kind of just ignore him because at 310 points, you're going to spend your first turn teleporting. Your second turn, maybe you kill a screening unit. Your third turn, maybe you get your hands on a good unit. Yeah. 
And he's also not that fast. He only moves seven inches, and you can't do the teleport thing in charge. So good players. It was very noticeable when I was playing with them. Kind of just ignore him. Whereas maybe your more middle of the road player kind of sees a Satan teleport in their backfield, panic, point at it, oath it, and try to shoot their entire army at it, and then nothing happens. That happened at Nova. I felt really bad for the guy. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those very like, how, what do I want type of unit? Like, is this going to fill a hole I need filled in my list? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's it, is he is he what purpose do you have him in the list for? Is he doing something actually yeah. constructive for you, or is he just a really cool tough unit that you're sticking in there just because he's cool and tough? Yeah. So, right. yeah, he he's pretty cool, but. I personally am looking at dropping him from list just because he's expensive and good players can ignore him. All right. Makes sense. All right. So let's talk about battle line now. Necron warriors, the, the bread and butter. So Necron warriors are a very controversial unit. A lot of people love them. A lot of people don't really like them. I'm kind of in the camp of not really liking them that much. Um, mainly because Necrons don't really have a way to retreat and shoot. Um, which means these guys get tagged all the time. And once that happens, the unit's never doing anything ever again, pretty much. Their combat output is atrocious. Um, so I've even seen some of the VT coaches like giggle and laugh as they send me pictures of three Nurglings tying up an entire warrior blur. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not great. Um, now I will say their shooting is pretty decent. Uh, cause you give them the, uh, the short range gun that's got AP to it. Um, and yeah, the Goth can, Reaper. Yeah. The Reaper. That's the one. And they can put out some good damage. Uh, you can use veil of darkness to like teleport and shoot, which is nice. Uh, you put all the, um, the tank, uh, support package in there with the Overlord and stuff. They are strong. They're really good at picking one objective and just holding it, but they don't influence the game a lot, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Because anything in the game can just tag them. Even if you're playing Tau, they can just charge you with a Devilfish or something, or a Piranha, and then that's your life now. You're just stuck there. So, I'm not a huge fan of the Warrior Brick, a lot of people are, and I know why. It is very strong. But it's one of those things where I think other units in the in the army can hold objectives just as well. Like my favorite unit, which I'll probably go over soon. Um, I just don't think the warriors pull their weight at the end of the day. Because if you're paying for the warriors, that means you're probably going to be paying for the Overlord of Technomancer and the Crypto Thralls. And at that point, you're looking at like a 400 point unit. And for a 400 point unit to only hold an objective, that's a bit underwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yes, they will hold that objective for eternity. That is very true. Uh, there's very few things in the game that can kill a full warrior unit in a turn. Um, but they're not doing much else What'll often happen is you'll get in range to shoot once, you'll shoot once, and then that'll be the only time you ever shoot. Necron warriors are also slow, so unless you're Veil of Darknessing them across the table and shooting, 
you're kind of only shooting the unit that your opponent allows you to shoot. Right. So they so are probably good. never really doing anything on yeah. the other side of the table. Yeah. They they are good. They hold an objective well. I just don't think they influence the game enough for my taste. Okay. Makes sense. And as far as Lich Guard, uh, um, not Lich Guard, Immortals go, because for our other battle line, I think we can move on. <laughs> Got it. Duly noted. So that says everything we need to know. Um, so, uh, but you mentioned Lich Guard, and there's been a lot of talk about Lich Guard being um, sort of the, and, and the few lists that we've seen podium or get in the top 10 have one or two big bricks of Lich Guard. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I've got a fanboy a quick second. I love Lich Guard so much. They're oh, my favorite Necron unit in the lore. I've been playing with 20 sword and board Lich Guard since those Lich Guard models came out way back in like 5th or 6th or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love Lich Guard. And the fact that they're good right now for the first time in forever, I'm so happy. I took 20 Lich Guard to Nova. And it was a blast. Okay. Very cool. Um, they did get hit with a significant points increase. I believe they went up four points a model. Because uh, they were 190, and I think they're 230 now. Yeah, it's 230 now for 10. Yeah, so they went up 40 points a unit. Which is a lot. Especially when you're running two like me, and that's 80 points right there. Lich Guard, though, I can confidently say, from the bottom of my heart, not a lot in the game will ever move your Lich Guard. It is one of the, if not the tankiest unit in the entire game. And I, I, I truly mean that. For, the, for those listening uh, in the car or in the gym or what have you, uh, so that you guys have a, a, an idea of what Matt's talking about, uh, Lich Guard are T5, 3-up armor save with, a, um, with two wounds, normal Necron 5-inch move, Leadership 7-up, OC1. If you give them the sword and board, then they get a 4-up invuln. So now you're talking about T5, 4-up invuln, 3-up regular save with 2 wounds. And they have Guardian Protocols, which while a noble model is leading this unit, each time an attack targets this unit, subtract 1 from the wound roll. Yeah, so, so then, then you add... This one to be wounded. And then you stick, like Matt was saying earlier, you stick your Overlord in there, you stick in your Technomancer in there, and that unit's not going anywhere. And their hyperphase swords are three attacks, three up weapon skill, strength six, AP negative two, one damage. So 10 of them will start chopping through things. Yeah. So uh, you also got the crypto thralls joining that unit too. Oh, right. Um, so with the uh, detachment ability of plus one to hit, they'll be hitting on twos at strength six minus two with 30 attacks. Um, then you have a stratagem, which I know we haven't talked about the stratagems too much, but this is where the stratagems really start to come into play. For one CP, or you know, if you have an overlord, you can just do it for free, because I believe this one is one of the ones that is free. Uh, it is um, Protocol of the Hungry Void, and it gives plus one strength to your unit, which is pretty nice. And also, if they're being led by a character, they get plus one AP, which means your 30 attacks go to strength seven AP three. And strength seven is probably the best breaking point for a strength characteristic you can get in the game, just about. Because there's not a lot of things in the game 
that are toughness 14, but a lot of things that are toughness 12 or 13. So what that allows your Lich God to do is wound pretty much anything in the game on fives instead of sixes. So I've had Lich Guards sit there and chop at Knight's legs until they fall down like a tree. Okay. Because you go into combat with 30 attacks, wounding on fives, hitting on twos. Minus three AP, Knights don't have vulnerable saves in combat. They they do wear them down. Um, the Lich Guard just don't move. You got a th- uh, three up, four up, five up, reanimating on your turn, re- reanimating on your opponent's turn, uh, minus one the wound. The unit just doesn't budge. It is so funny. And there's another stratagem uh, called the Undying Legions for one CP. This one's a key Necron stratagem, in my opinion. So, for one CP, you can trigger reanimation protocols during your opponent's turn, immediately after they shot or fight a unit of yours that loses a model. So, if they kill a model during the shooting phase or fight phase, you can be like, uh, I'll stop you right there, I'm going to reanimate. <coughs> Lovely. Yeah. The, uh, the Lich Guard bricks don't budge. I've had them attacked by full custodian 10-man bricks when you could take the 10-man bricks. They don't die. I will say the 10-man brick was the closest thing to ever kill them in one hit. The thing is, though, if you do not kill them in that one hit, they are practically back up to full in a turn or two. Because of all the reanimating. It is disgusting. Also worth noting that the protocol of the Undying Legion stratagem to trigger the reanimation if a character is leading that unit, it's plus one to the reanimation roll, which is nice. Um, Very nice. All right. So the Lich Guard, big thumbs up. And the cool part is, is when you directly compare them to Warriors, and this is why I don't like Warriors that often, right? They're only 10 points more than a 20-man Warrior squad. And your survivability is infinitely better for a variety yeah. of reasons. And if you get tagged, and your damage output is yeah. If yeah. you get tagged, you're not stuck sitting there. You're going to be chopping your way through something eventually. Yeah. Now there is a, a small negative to it. Your OC is a lot worse. Warriors, it's twenty models with two OC. Lich Guard, it's ten models with one OC. Your OC is worse. But if you have a Catacomb Command Barge nearby that gives plus one OC, they're all two OC, which makes it not nearly as bad. And right. I. I I like the Catacomb Command Barge. Not a lot of people do, but I think it's cool, especially with Lich Guard for that exact reason. And then the Catacomb Command Barge can take his res orb, throw it at the Lich Guard, and make them res again on your opponent's turn. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Lich Guard, if you can't tell. My current list has one unit, and that's not because I think Lich Guard were bad where I wanted to drop a unit, but more because I wanted to take other units, and people couldn't kill the Lich Guard in the first place, so I didn't think I needed to. Um, I played 11 games during uh, the Nova weekend. I played 3 games in the team tournament, and 8 games in the GT, and I had 2 units of Lich Guard in every game, and out of 11 games, that means 22 units of Lich Guard, and I lost 1 unit. Nice. So that means um, a failure rate of 1 out of 22 is um, pretty good. <laughs> Right. No, absolutely. That is that's a that's a that's a strong stat to to um, further emphasize their survivability. So, what about uh, what about flayed ones? I love flayed ones. So they're seventy points for five or one hundred and forty for ten. 
Um, their big thing is they're squishy. They only have your toughness four with a four up save, one wound. Sucks. But what doesn't suck about them is they have infiltrate. So your really slow Necron army has units that can start in the mid board on objectives and stuff, which is super nice. They also have stealth, so if you get behind a wall, uh, indirect is even uh, worth shooting at them because they'll they'll probably have some sort of plus one to hit because most indirect does these days for some reason. Right. But um, don't don't get me started. The, yeah, the the stealth will help balance that out. Um, or if they for some reason are getting shot, the cells can help keep them alive. They're most of the time going to be in cover, so they'll have three up saves. They're they're cheap for what they are. As far as damage output goes, they are not pushovers as well. It is pretty nice. Worth noting. Yeah, four attacks hitting on threes. Strength four, AP one, one damage is very meh until you factor in that they also have sustained hits one and twin linked. So they can put out a decent volume of hits and with wound rerolls, I'm sure they could do something. They're not going to maybe take out a knight, but they'll definitely chew through space marines and the like very quickly. Yeah, remember for one CP, you can give them plus one strength, put them up to strength five. Oh, yeah. So, uh, also, I don't know if you caught their uh, uh, their ability, but they have flesh hunger. Each time they attack a unit that's below half strength, any hit roll scores a critical hit. So that means any hit is a sustained hit. Ow. Yeah, so All if right. you attack a unit at uh, below half, they'll shred it. And uh, five models putting out 20 attacks. It's not nothing. No, that's not nothing at all. Not nothing at all. I've always been a fan of the the flayed ones as a concept. So, um, I I, this, I can. I, that's one of the few. Like, I have a very small Necron force at home, and I flayed ones I have not added to the collection yet, but they're on the the short list of units I want to add. I would say, as far as infantry goes, those are the notable ones: warriors, lich guard, and flayed ones. Uh, outside of that, we have the Canoptic. And the destroyer cult left to talk about, and a couple tanks. Okay, let's Which do. Uh, go with? Let's do destroyer cult. Destroyer cult, cool. Yeah. So destroyer cult, you got the locust lord, the hexmark destroyer, and the scorpec lord as the three characters for them. Um, we talked about the hexmark destroyer, and I think that's good enough. Okay, scorpec uh, destroyer uh, lord. We're just gonna move on, huh? Yeah, we don't need to he's, talk about that. He's a cool model. Moving on. Yeah, um, so you got Locust Destroyers, which are your standard destroyer. Um, they're the ones from back in the old days where they hovered on their little hoverboards with their guns. Yep. Um, these are good, but not for the reason why you think they're good. These guys here don't really do too, too much damage, and they're pretty squishy. Uh, they're toughness six with three wounds and a three-up save. They have no invulnerable save, and there's a lot of flat three damage weapons out there, so... High AP, flat damage, three weapons kind of just tear right through them. Um, and they die pretty much whenever they get shown. Um, unless you're taking them in the max, like, six-man unit. So, I don't recommend that. What they are good at is you can take them as an individual single model, which is kind of funny, for 30 points. Okay. Um, which is kind of interesting. Which allows you to I don't know, put them in strategic reserve and do some secondaries or right. zone up a backfield, their 60 mil base. But uh, for 30 points, having individual locust destroyers running around is pretty good. Okay. Uh, the working our way up from importance, I would say, uh, the Scorpec destroyers, um, they are pretty good in combat, but they are 
very squishy and they're pretty slow for a combat unit. They only move seven inches. They hit fairly hard and they ignore modifiers to hit, which is pretty cool. So uh, all this death guard stuff that's going on with the whole like minus two to hit in combat, they just ignore all that, which is cool. Oh, okay, that is cool. Um, but they just only move seven inches. So like you know, getting to your target that you're trying to fight, it's hard sometimes when you only move seven inches as a combat unit. Yeah. Uh, they also have no other utility. They have no shooting. They can't advance and charge. They can't do actions in advance. They can't. There's not a lot of things they can do outside of hit something. And when you only move seven inches, your opponent really gets to decide what you get to hit. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of Scorpac Destroyers. I know some people like taking one unit as like a counterpunch unit. I can see the argument for that. Um, the next unit, I would say, uh, that's pretty good, is the Locust Heavy Destroyer. Uh, I am currently running three individuals of these guys on my list. Uh, they are the same profile as a normal destroyer, uh, except they have an extra wound which is cool. So they have four wounds, which means a lot of those high damage weapons are a little bit harder for them to one-shot. Um, they have two guns. One's like an anti-infantry gun. That's pretty decent, but you're not taking that them for that. You take them for their other gun, they have a single shot, heavy with lethal hits, ballistic skill three, strength 14, minus four, flat damage six shot. Nice. Yeah, very strong. Two of these guys can one-shot an armager. Okay. Yeah. And again, you can take them as individuals for 50 points. So I'm running three individual of these guys running around with their flat damage six gun, which is fun. All right. Oh, and the, uh, they've got the optimized for slaughter rule, which means if they use the Enmitic Exterminator against infantry, they reroll wounds of one. And if they're using the Gauss Destructor that you were just um, uh, talking about, then if they're shooting against a monster or vehicle, they can reroll a wound roll of one, making them just that much more efficient. Yeah, so, making that single nice. shotgun hit a lot, but very nice. Um, and then I would say the best destroyer unit is the Ophidian. Uh, one, they look the best, and if you don't agree with me, uh, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> they are a very cool model. Yeah. Uh, for those Necron players like me that have been around for a long time, these look like the old race. Yes, and I love yep. that. So Ophidians move nine inches which all of a sudden allows them to actually get in combats. <laughs> right. Um, they are toughness five with a four up save though. So they are pretty squishy, but they have some workarounds. So in combat, they have five attacks a model. So from just a unit of three of them, they're putting out 15 attacks. Decent. They hit on threes. So they're only strength four, but they're minus two damage too. But okay. Keep in mind for a CP, we can put them up to strength five. Right. They have deep strike, which none of the other destroyers have which is nice. Um, and they also have an ability, Tunneling Horrors. At the end of your opponent's turn, if this unit's not in engagement range, you can remove them from the battlefield and set them up in your next movement phase, reinforcement step, nine inches away from enemies. So basically, at the end of your opponent's turn, you go, you know what? I don't like where these guys are positioned right now. Pull them off the table. And then at the end of your movement phase, put them back somewhere else on the table. Nice. Very yeah, nice. Really strong. Really good unit for doing actions. These guys will be a terror on people's backfields. They can harass flanks. They're not a unit that you're going to use to fight the frontline fight with. Just get that out of your head. That is not a thing these guys do. Right. They've never been. Yeah. yeah. These guys are terrorizing your opponent's flanks and uh, rear. 
and also scoring you secondaries the entire time. Uh, they do have a little friend with them, the Plasma Sight. Um, once per game, the Plasma Sight can use his ability, and then you remove him, and he gives the entire unit devastating one. Which, with five attacks per model, is strong. You got a good chance of, of popping off some, some dev wounds. And the cool part about all these guys, only 100 points for a unit of three. Very affordable, too. Nice, affordable action monkey unit. Yeah, and then they also can beat up other action monkeys. That's something I'm a big fan of. I love action monkeys that can beat up other action monkeys. Yes, like, I, I want that. I want my action monkey to be able to beat up a five man unit of space marines. Right. Go because in and, then I can yeah. get value out of them. Right. So yeah. I'm actually running three units of Ophidians right now. Nice. Three of three or three of six. Three of three. I'm not that crazy. Okay, <laughs> not investing that hard in them. Okay, um, so that wraps up the destroyer cult. Um, yep. Before we get into all the canoptic stuff, side uh, uh, sidebar here: tomb blades. I dig the models. Oh, yeah. I forgot about tomb blades. Tomb blades are one of those things where you either love tomb blades or you don't take tomb blades. Um, okay. I'm in camp of I don't take tomb blades because I'm taking three units of Ophidians and three individual locust heavy destroyers. Okay. Um, Tomb Blades are a unit that have okay shooting. Uh, you can make them a six-man unit and stack a bunch of buffs on them and try to do some decent damage, uh, which is cool. Um, you can absolutely attempt to do that. Um, they are just really good at running around as a three-man unit, again, doing actions and stuff and shooting. I prefer the maneuverability of the Ophidians more uh, and the combat abilities. Uh, worth noting with Ophidians, real quick, and all along with all of the destroyers. Um, the little hover ones are all mounted, keywords, so they can't go through walls, but they have fly. The Ophidians and Scorpex have infantry. So oh, okay. even though Ophidians are on 50 mils and they're these giant snake monsters, they can go through walls, which is super nice. Uh, Tomb Blades cannot go through walls. Those right. are bikes. So worth noting for that, especially on tables with a lot of terrain, that's why I like Ophidians a little bit more. And also, a unit of um, Tomb Blades is pretty easy to kill. They only have two wounds a model. so They are a decent unit, but Necrons have a lot of options for cheap little fast objective units. Mm-hmm. And I think Ophidians beat them out. Okay. And you said uh, Tomb Blades are how much for three? I think it's 85. Let me see. 80. Yeah, 80, 80. for three, 160 for six. Okay. So for 20 points more, you get Ophidians. Right. And, yeah, I, yeah, I do like the Ophidians. Or for their 80, so for 30 points less, you get a Heavy Destroyer. Right. So. Makes sense. All right, so, Canoptics. Canoptics. My favorite part of the army, I just like the whole robot bug vibe thing. Uh, actually, do you want to hit uh, the vehicles real quick? Because there's not that many? Sure. Uh, so, Ghost Ark, if you're playing a warrior build and you have more than one unit of warriors, take a Ghost Ark. He allows the warriors to reanimate after they've been shot. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. Ninth, I like it. I like the idea of it. And if you're not running two units of warriors, maybe don't run a ghost arc. That's 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 pretty much the ghost arc in a nutshell. All right. Um, as far it's, as the uh, oh yeah, it still only transports ten. So if you're running a, yeah. a plus one character, so if you're running a blob of twenty, you're not taking a ghost arc. Yeah, yeah. So and you're not running warriors in a unit of ten. By the way, people don't 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 do that to yourselves. 
So he's not transporting. If you're bringing a ghost arc, it's just to follow along behind them and help them reanimate. Correct. <laughs> okay, got it. We can hit these rapid fire. The Triarch Stalker, the um, Obelisk, and the Tesseract Vault. Um, they are what I would consider casual play units. Um, <laughs> they are not going to accomplish much in a competitive scene. Got it. Um, the Monolith has a little bit of play. And I mean a little bit. Like, tiniest bit. The Monolith is one of those units where you have to commit to the Monolith, where you're like, alright, my plan is to do this with the Monolith. How am I going to help the Monolith achieve this plan? It is a unit that you put in your army with a plan, and you're trying to execute that plan. It is not a unit where you're like, oh, I have some extra points, let me take a Monolith. Right. A Monolith is a unit where I'm writing my list, and the first thing I'm putting is Monolith, and then I'm figuring out how to fix my life. Right. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And it's 350 points, so it could be cheaper, but it also could be a hell of a lot more expensive in past editions. So yeah. 350, yeah, it's it's not... I can see where you could justify it, but then I can also see where you, like you say, oh. you, you, you are then building your entire life around it. Yeah, worth noting, it is Toughness 14 with a 2-up save, which is, it's good. Don't get me wrong there. I was just talking about how good Strength 7 was earlier. It is, that's good. It doesn't have an invulnerable save, though. If the Monolith had a 4-up invulnerable save like every other vehicle does in the Necron army, I would say it's actually pretty great. The fact it doesn't is what kills me. Yeah. Outside of that, though, the Monolith is actually pretty good. Yeah. The problem is... It doesn't is, have at least a 5-up invulnerable. Like, give it yeah. something. In the lore, all these Necron vehicles have, like, a quantum shielding that gives them a 4-up invulnerable save, and then right. they looked at their most important one and went, not on that one, though. Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah, it's it's really cool. It's awesome. I'm a fan of the Monolith because I've been playing Necron since third edition where that was the only vehicle. Right. Um I still have my old monolith up there on my cabinet and I love it, but I just if anyone just has like any dedicated anti tank unit, it's just gone. <laughs> yeah. I was actually kind of bummed when they when they released the new monolith. The new monolith is an awesome model, but I had had my eye on the old one for so long and just never <laughs> pon- ponied up and bought it. And now they don't have it. My best friend, one of my best friends back in California still has two of them. And, but he loves his Necrons. So I have yet to actually buy the new one. Oh yeah. I just haven't gotten around to it and I don't want to betray my old one. So yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and I'm never going to be in a situation where I need two. So I'll tell you that. Right. Um, as far as the planes go, I don't really see them often. Planes are in a really weird spot in 40k at the moment, so... Yeah, aircraft in general are just in a weird spot, so... You're either um, you're either throwing them on there almost as a meme, or you're leaving them at home. Yeah. Uh, the Annihilation Barge, as a quick, like, honorable mention, I actually really like the Annihilation Barge. Okay. Um, he was actually a unit I was considering on including in my army. Uh, quick glancery over him. He's got a movement of 9, toughness 8, with a 3-up, 4-up, with 9 wounds pretty decent. He's going to get shot pretty hard by some of the bigger anti-tank weapons. Um, he's got a Gauss Cannon or Tesla Cannon, and then he's got a twin Tesla Destructor as his main gun. It is a uh, range 36, 6 shot, hitting on 3, strength 8, AP 0, damage 2 gun, with sustained hits 2, and twin linked. So, it, it's okay. It doesn't have AP, which does hurt it a lot, so most of the time people are going to take their 3-ups or their 2-ups. Uh, it does have an ability, though, where after it shoots, 
Uh, you roll dice for that unit and every other unit within three inches. And on a five up, they take D3 mortal wounds as the like lightning arcs around and stuff, which is kind of cool. That's cool. Uh, the big thing that saves this guy is he's only 115. Okay. Yeah, he's just a light thing that somebody might have to put some shots into. And if they did, they're probably going to put too many shots into it. Yeah, he does have a four up and vulnerable save. And again, every model in the army, every model in the army has reanimation protocols. So if you don't kill him, he's going to heal up. Okay. So that is worth noting. So I, I like them. I, I would never fault somebody for taking an Annihilation Barge. I just had such a hard time fitting them in my list because uh, I was already squeezing way, way too many things into my list than I probably have any right to do. I think the last time I counted, I have 17 drops in my army. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a that's, lot. Yeah. I know you and I talked about it in pre-show. I, I don't don't, uh, don't roll, roll your eyes too hard. Uh, the Doomsday Arc. Yeah. Um, Doomsday Arc. So Doomsday Arc is one of those things where a lot of Necron players are super hype on it. I gotta be honest. I hate this thing. <laughs> I... Explain why, though. Okay. So, it's Toughness 9, which on vehicle scale is low. Yeah. Like, this is like Eldar level low, right? Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, we don't have any of that movement shenanigans. We don't Phantasm and Fire and Fade here. We're just taking our Toughness 9 bottle and hoping it not dies, which seems not great. Right. It only moves 9, which is also low for a vehicle. It does have a 3-up, 4-up with 14 wounds. I will give it, that's pretty good. A 3-up, 4-up with 14 wounds. It does have OC of 5, which is also pretty cool. From there, um, it just, it's got a doomsday cannon. It's D6 plus one shots, hitting on threes, strength 15, minus four, damage four. That is a great profile. Okay. Yeah. And it's 72 inch range, so you yeah. are parking it in the back end of the table. Yes. It's also got some Gauss flares, which is just, imagine you have a unit of 10 Necron while you're shooting on a tank. Both the okay. Ghost Arc and Doomsday Arc have that. And it's not the good gun, it's, it's the bad one without AP. It's strength 4 AP 0 damage 1. So, it, it, it's okay. Right. Um, if a unit of Guardsmen rolls up in front of you, you can, you can shoot them. Uh, that's about as far as that's going. Um, the main thing is the Doomsday Cannon. It does have a rule where if it remains stationary, uh, the Doomsday Cannon gets devastating wounds. Which again, sounds great. Right? And then you remember, you have this Really long vehicle, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this thing is like eight, nine inches long. Yeah, it's like almost two rhinos uh, front to back. These things are so hard to hide. They're just going to get shot. Right? And they're yeah. just going to die. Like, yeah. any Eldar player is going to be like, oh, you have a doomsday arc. Uh, fire prisms. Okay, they're gone. And you're going to be sad. You're going to right. be a very sad person. Um, and they're only toughness nine, so like missile launchers and melt-a-guns. Like a unit of three eradicators coming in from the side of the table is winning you on fours because it's only toughness nine, which is not great. The thing just is so hard to hide and at the same time, so hard to get angles to shoot with because with the new obscuring rules, you have to be wholly in terrain to shoot out, right? Right. 
This thing's like eight, nine inches long and like four inches, five inches wide. What terrain features are you guys using where this thing can sit in it and shoot through it? Because the entirety of this thing has to be in the terrain. Right. So either you're flying it way past the terrain and sticking it way out in public to shoot or. Or you're not shooting. Yeah. And keep in mind, it's only got a nine inch move. And the thing itself is like nine inches long. So you're not going anywhere anytime fast. You're not getting angles easily. And this thing costs 210 points. Which, as we've discussed today, for same or similar cost or even less, you can get a whole lot more. That's a whole lot more effective. So, yeah, like I just I know people are probably going to like flame me for this, but I, I think this thing is awful. I will say, in very specific certain matchups, is pretty good. Into specifically knights, it is a pretty good model. Yeah. But that is about it. Okay. I would say. Because most good players are just going to be like, oh, where's that thing at? And then they're going to measure nine inches and then be like, okay, you can't shoot me. And then just <laughs> be sitting there with your nine inch hot dog shaped tank and sad. <laughs> all right <laughs> so uh the doomsday art gets a giant thumbs down from matt um for a variety of very justified reasons uh all right so let's move on then to the last section of uh these index that that you were, were sort of saved the best for last for you the canoptics yeah. the canoptics my favorite part of the entire book so there is one two three four five canoptic units in the uh in the index all right i gotta ask are the spiders good? Because the spiders have always looked super cool. I would say out of the canoptics, they are tied for the worst, but the canoptics aren't bad. So the fact that it's tied for the worst for the canoptics isn't bad. It's definitely not the worst in the book. Okay. I, I would take spiders before I took a doomsday art. Just saying. Okay. Got it. <laughs> um, so the canoptics are really cool. The Canoptics actually have probably the best unit in the entire index in there. The Canoptic Reanimator. Do you remember all of that reanimation stuff we've been talking about with the Resorbs, the yes. Stratagem, all, all of that, right? Yep. It'd be awesome if there was a way to like buff that, right? Right. So, so for... A unit that was maybe in the starter box for 9th edition that everybody's gotten one or two of, but was considered generally unusable in 9th edition. Yeah, th- this little guy. I love this little guy. So, a Canoptic Reanimator, right? He's 105 points. Let me just tell you now, it's going to seem high for his stat line. Take him. You'll thank me later. Take the Canoptic Reanimator. He's a good little boy. All you have to do is protect Mr. President, and, <laughs> and you'll be fine. When you go to, uh, if you're playing player place terrain, think, where am I going to put my Reanimator? And place your terrain accordingly. I plan so much of my movement around the reanimator, it's not even funny. (laughs) Like, the thing is so awesome. So, let's say what it does. So, first off, it moves seven inches. So, it's for Necrons, that's fast. Let's get that out of the book. Necron seven inches is fast. It's toughness six with a three up save with six wounds. And it has a four plus field of pain. So that's pretty good. It doesn't have an invulnerable save, but six wounds with a fort Philippine. 
it will live most for a little of the while. Time. Um, don't put it out in the open, people. Hide it. But here's where we get. Good, I'm not even going to go over its uh, gun or melee attack. I, to be honest with you, I don't even know what it does really. Um, <laughs> That's not why we have it. <laughs> I, I think I think it fought in combat once in the 11 games I played at Nova. While a friendly Necron unit is within 12 inches of this model, not visible, not wholly within, just unit within 12 inches, each time they activate their reanimation protocols, they reanimate an additional D3 wounds. So, on my turn, I regenerate 2D3. On your turn, my Lich Guard regenerate another 2D3. Oh, you had the audacity to shoot me? Let me regenerate 2D3. Oh, my Canoptic Command Barge uh, can activate reanimation on your turn again? 2d3 more. It is so much. <laughs> and that's everything in 12 inches. So uh, you have a vehicle that's within 12 inches that's hurt. It's healing 2d3. You have your Transcendent Satan that's within 12 inches, who's almost impossible to kill. He's healing 2d3. And then you have your Technomancer in the end of the movement phase, heal him for another D3. The Canoptic Reanimator is amazing. Now, if you're playing like a super fast mobile Necron army with a lot of vehicles and like stuff like that, maybe there's a world where you don't take him. Right. But in pretty much every other list in the entire Necron book, I would take one of these. Uh, oh, also worth noting something I did forget to mention. All destroyers are OC2. Oh, okay. Uh, I did forget to mention that. Um, which, with combined with Catacomb Command Barge, bumps them up to OC3, which means a unit of three Ophidians, if they're for some reason near the um, Catacomb Command Barge, is nine OC from a unit of three destroyers. Yeah, that is good. Nice uh, little I did forget to mention that. So, yeah, I, the Canonical Reanimator is amazing, people. 105 points to. If you count the amount of wounds and points that he's healed throughout your game, I bet you it's 100 points. <laughs> like, yeah, it is great. All right. Um, so then the other Canoptic units I can go over a lot faster. Scarabs, they're cheap. Um, they're kind of like Rippers, but not as efficient, unfortunately. Um, for 40 points, you get three little Scarabs. They have OC0, which kind of sucks, so they can't hold an objective but they can screen. You could outflank them to do objectives, but as we discussed, for 30 points, we can get the Destroyer that does the same thing. So they're kind of in like a weird spot where if it wasn't for the Locust Destroyer, they would maybe see some use, but because of the Locust Destroyer, I don't really see a use for using Scarabs at the moment. Um, the Spider has a cool ability uh, where he can heal uh, heal things. Um, no, sorry, not heal things. Um, he gives uh, vehicles a 6-up Fimla Pain. So if you want to take your Monolith build, Take a spider and give your model with a six-up field of pain. Kind of, <laughs> that's um, kind of cool. He can uh, bring back scarabs. That's what I was trying to mean by heal. Uh, he can put a scarab back in a unit. Uh, he's actually got a good melee profile. He's got five attacks hitting on fours at strength eight minus two damage to. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Um, keep in mind with all the canoptic stuff, a lot of it's hitting on fours. But if you have the technomancer, which you're gonna have in your list anyway, and he's within six inches, they hit on threes. So that's nice. Um, these the spiders are only move 5, which is standard for Necrons. Toughness 7 with a 3-up and 6 wounds. They don't have an invulnerable save. Um, they do have a, um, a gun. It's 2d6 shots because you have 2 of them. 
uh, hitting on threes for some reason. Uh, strength six, and devastating wounds at AP zero damage one. I mean, it's not bad. It's got blasts, so if you like shooting some infantry, you can, you can plank some wounds off. Um, it's got a gloom prism, which is a six inch aura of a four up field of pain against psychic attacks. Interesting. Yeah, so Thousand Suns, Demons, Grey Knights, eat your heart out. For yeah. a Philippine for everybody nearby, which is kind of funny. All right. You just get to walk around and Oprah the, the four up Philippine on psychics. Yeah. Not bad. And he's and he's only 75 points. Like, he's not bad. Okay. Um, And then you got the two of my favorite Canoptic units from the Index. You have the Canoptic Wraiths. A lot of people don't like them. I love the Canoptic Wraiths. I see them as a direct comparison to um, Scorpec Destroyers, actually. Uh, I have a friend that's uh, pretty uh, well-known in the community that um, has been trying to convince me to take Scorpex for about a week uh, over my race because I've sent him my list. And um, I flat-out refused and uh, debated him several times over this. Um, race move two inches faster. Outside of that, they have the exact same base profile as Scorpex just about. Which is cool. Mm-hmm. They fly, which is both a upside and downside of this edition. But race have a four invulnerable save. Scorpex don't have an invulnerable save at all. <laughs> right. I will say race have a worse damage output in combat. There's no getting around the saying that. Race are four attacks a model, hitting on fours, strength six minus one damage two. It's not great, but it's also not bad. You got a unit of three race uh, attacking a unit of marines with 12 attacks. They'll tear through some. Right. Uh, especially at flat damage, too. Uh, and keep in mind, again, if you have the Technomancer nearby, they're hitting on threes, and all of a sudden, damage output is more online with Scorpex. Scorpex yeah. have an extra strength and AP, so that does beat them out there. Um, but we're not using race for damage output. That's not what we're using. We're using them because they're a movement 9 model, fly, at toughness 6 with a 3 up, 4 up, and 2 OC. Right. Um, they do have a ranged weapon. Uh, you can pick one of two. Uh, I like the particle caster. It's three shots, hitting on twos at strength 5, AP 0, damage 1. Devastating wounds and pistol. Okay. Because you're going to be wanting to get these in a stuck in a combat anyway, so might as well allow them to keep shooting. But also, pistol allows you to be able to do actions while in combat. Yeah. Which is super nice. Um, so, you got nine strength five shots hitting on twos with devastating wounds and shooting, which isn't nothing. So, I like race. They have a, a weird ability where if they move through a unit, they can do some mortal wounds. Uh, that I kind of forget they even have it most of the time. <laughs> You'd have to move through an enemy unit, and you're only moving nine inches, so yeah. you might have trouble yeah. getting on the other, maybe on a small unit. Yeah, maybe. Five Marines. Um, but uh, I have two units of three race on my list right now. Um, keep in mind, again, reanimation protocols. So let's say, well, you got race at toughness six with a three at four, three wounds a model. Your opponent shoots and kills two. Right? Well, at the start of my turn, oh, I'm within 12 of my reanimator. 
oh, I rolled at least a four, which is the average on 2d3. Okay, all three race are back now. <laughs> all right. You know what I mean? Like, right. Uh, I consider these my band aid unit. And for the people that can't see me, uh, I'm using finger quotes with that. Um, they are my unit where I look at the matchup and go, what do I need? Do I need more pressure in midfield? Okay, they go midfield. Do I need to help defend my backfield from a lot of like deep striking stuff? They do that. Do I need help pushing the flanks? They're doing that. Do I need to defend the reanimator? They're doing that. They are my versatile unit, I guess you could say, because they're fast enough for Necrons where they can help. So I, I, I actually put a lot of stock in them. They're 110 points for a unit that is a lot more durable than 110 points should be. Okay, fair. So and I, then like I think last, but I, and I, I think this is the last unit we got to go over. The last and not least is the Canoptic Doomstalker. We have one more unit after this. Oh, we do. What am I forgetting? Uh, this is a surprise. Oh, okay. Well, let's do the Doomstalker real quick. Uh, he's he's seven inch move, T eight, twelve wounds with three up, four up, and he's really tall. Yeah, he is super tall, which is actually a benefit. Okay. That sound crazy. I say it was. I thought you were gonna say it was a it was a hindrance because he's no, so tall you can shoot him. Okay. So he has a base. That is relatively big, but not nearly as big of a footprint as the Doomsday are. He can actually fit in terrain templates, right? Right. Because of his height, he can actually see over a lot of buildings. So what you can do is you can put him into a building and actually shoot over the wall. Okay. That makes sense. Um, he's toughness 8 with 12 wounds and a 3-up, 4-up. He's got reanimation protocols, just like everything else. Um... He's only 135 points, though, and his gun is D6 plus 1 shots at 48-inch range, hitting on 4s, strength 14, minus 3, damage 3. This model is 70 or 80 points cheaper than a Doomsday Arc, which means for two Doomsday Arcs, I get three Doomstalkers and some. Just about. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I love these guys. I ran three at Nova, and it was awesome. They do have a downside to them. Um, they only move seven, which means if they are not in a good firing position, they're not shooting for a while. Um, and for that instance, I think in preset terrain layouts, this is going to be a unit that's weird, where in preset terrain layouts, I think they're actually really good. But in player place, I don't think they're going to be that great. Because player place terrain people can like put train on objectives and hide behind them so they they can't get the angles they need to. Right. So All right. I think if you know your tournament is doing player place, you maybe don't take the Doomstalker, but if it's not, and you know what the terrain format looks like, I actually think Doomstalkers are pretty good. They're definitely better than Doomsday Arcs, in my opinion. Uh, and with the Technomancer, they get plus one hit and hit on threes, which is nice. Alright, so. I was promised I'll make it a very, very short one. I'm gonna go over my panoptic tomb sentinels. Oh, that's right. I forgot that we were because the, they're in the uh, they're in the uh, Forge World Index, and I, yes. I did promise you that we would talk about these. Your I won't talk about any other unit from Forge World. I'll just talk about my tomb sentinel. I will say my current competitive list at the moment is running three canoptic tomb sentinels. I have bought three of these things, and I am in the process of building them, and I hate myself. <laughs> yeah wasn't somebody somebody else in our group chat saying that you were gonna hate yourself because of the construction requirements oh yeah oh yeah i knew too 
but I love the models and I love the rules so much. I was willing to put myself through the pain of building three of these things. And for everyone that doesn't know, each leg is two pieces. Yeah. And, and look up a picture of the model and keep in mind, each leg is two pieces. It's basically each, a centipede. And each body segment is a piece and none of it lines up well. Right. Side note, let's talk about the rules. Don't look up its points. It's movement 10. Toughness 9 with a 3-up, 4-up. It's got a 4-up and vulnerable save. It's got 9 wounds, 3 OC. It's got an exile cannon, an 18-inch range gun, D6 plus 1 shots hitting on 4s, strength 10, minus 2 damage, 2 with blast. Keep in mind, it is canoptic, because it is a canoptic tune sentinel, um, which means it'll get plus 1 hit from the Technomancer if he is nearby. Uh, melee profile, it's not that great. Let's not worry about it. But it's abilities. It's got deep strike which is interesting with these monsters. Is it supposed to burrow, I guess? So it's got like a, um, on its back, it's got like a teleport thing on it, where it oh, like, okay. um, do you know how the wraiths like phase through walls? Yeah. These things like phase through like dimensions and stuff and just pop out in the middle of your army. Oh, okay. Kind of cool. Um, they also have a rule called Aggressor Guardian. Each time an attack targets this model, if this model is within range of an objective marker, Worsen the armor penetration characteristic by one. It has armor of contempt while on an objective. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now against this. That stacks with cover, and you know how easy it is to cover these days. So you're practically worsening AP by two across the board, which is great. And it's got a four and vulnerable save just in case that doesn't work out. And each time it attacks a unit on an objective marker, increase the AP of its weapons by one. So its exile cannons now strength 10 AP 3 damage 2. Which okay. is nice. Yeah. You remember that gloom prism that the uh, the tomb spider had? The 4 yeah. of pain for everyone yeah. in 6 against psychic? These things also have gloom prisms. Alright, so just a little, a little more insurance against T-Suns and Grey Knights. Yeah, they're on the big oval base though that like flyers are on. So that six-inch aura off of those things is gigantic. Okay? Okay. So I have three of these. My entire army just about has four-up field of pains against psychic attacks now. Okay. Nice. These things are only 115 wounds. I was going to guess 130. Okay. 115 for a deep-striking monster with armor of contempt, toughness nine, nine wounds, a four-up and barnable save. That heals with reanimation protocols. That has a strength ten damage to gun. Uh, these things are wild to me. I don't know why more people aren't talking about them. I love them. I'm running three. I'm gonna hate myself after I'm done building all three of them. But I'm gonna run them with pride. And I'm gonna run them for a long time. Um, I I I don't even know what else to say about these things. But like. You keep them all in deep strike, unless you're playing against Thousand Suns, then you keep one on the table. And you just pop them up and harass people's flanks. You thought your flanks were safe? All of a sudden, there's two Canoptic Tomb Sentinels and three units of Ophidians on you? It's no yeah. longer safe. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is definitely no longer safe out there. Alright, so, um, let's move on real quick. We already, to the enhance, enhancements and strats, we already talked about one of the enhancements, the Sempaternal Weave. The 10.4 up feel no pain. Uh, what about the other three? Obviously, you got Veil of Darkness. That, that is a 
Veil Darkness is great. You just teleport a unit once per game. And it is 20 points, so totally worth it. Uh, then you have the um, Hyper Material Ablator. It's a weird name. Um, it gives him and his unit um, cover over 12 inches away. Uh, and they um, also gain stealth. It's okay. Hmm. Uh, it's 25 points. If you have 25 points, uh, to get, uh, yeah, to take, maybe take it. Uh, but I would rather have. I was going to guess fifteen. Twenty-five seems yeah. a little steep for that. Uh, for thirty points, you get the last enhancement. This one's actually not that bad. Um, it's called the Sovereign Coronal. Coronal. Sure. Yeah, Coronal. Um, it gives all units within six inches, counting as being led by a character. And if we keep in mind our detachment ability, that's plus one to hit. Oh, okay. Yeah. And a lot of our stratagems give an additional benefit if uh, being led by a character. So you'll also get the extra strategy and benefits, which is okay. nice. It is 30 points, though. Yeah, but I could see sticking this on a, on a catacomb command barge because, like you said, it's, it's a big flying donut, which is yeah. giving it a six-inch aura. It's going to hit a lot of stuff. So On my catacomb command barge, I actually gave it the sepaternal weave for the fourth. Yeah, okay. okay. Keep that thing up, uh, chugging. But what you could do is put the control coronal on a hex mark destroyer since he has lone operative. Oh, there you go. All right. So that's that's another thing you could do. It does put the hex mark destroyer up to 110 points though, which is kind of not great. But the, right. the enhancements are overall pretty decent. And then you got the stratagems. Rolling through them real quick. You got yeah. protocol of the eternal guardian. Basically, when an infantry character dies, you can just stand them right back up at uh, half wounds remaining. Pretty good. Keep your dudes alive. And we already talked about hungry void. Um. That's the combat buff one, a plus one strength or AP if you have a character. Uh, Undying Legions is the one where uh, when your unit is attacked that you get to heal, which is pretty nice. Um, then you have Conquering Tyrant. Um, you activate it in your shooting phase. Uh, one Necron unit from your army that has not been selected to shoot until the end of the phase. Um, each time they attack a unit within half range, you can reroll the wound roll. And if you're being led by a character, it's full range. So, if you have a shooting unit being led by a character, you can get rerolls to wound, which is nice. And to, and so everyone knows that's a, that is a battle tactic. So that's one that you could use um, for free with your uh, overlord. So is hungry void. Those are the two Necron battle tactics. Got it. Um, then you have sudden storm, which um, you use in your movement phase. You can give a unit uh, assault weapons for their ranged weapons, and if a Necron character is leading the unit, they get to reroll their advance roll. Which is nice because you can do things where like uh, I'm going to pick my wraiths to give them assault on their little guns, and now all of a sudden they can do an action after they've advanced. It's not bad. Yeah. So, uh, and then you have protocol of the Vengeful Stars. Um, this one's interesting. Um, basically, if they shoot you and you lose a model, you can shoot them back. Okay. And if you're got a character leading them, then they also get ignores cover. Yeah. Uh, so. That's neat, but Necrons, a lot of their shooting comes from, like, vehicles and monsters and stuff. Not a lot of your shooting comes from units of models. And you have to lose a model. So, it's odd. Yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, it's it's not going to work on the things you want it to work on. You're not going to have Dooms, uh, Doomstalkers shooting back on your opponents. You're not going to have, like, a lot of other big guns shooting. You're going to be like shooting back with like warriors or something. 
So okay. it, it's it's good, but not like amazing like it sounds. Got it. All right. Well, that covers everything in the index, characters, units, strats, and enhancements. Uh, well, I gotta, we're going to talk a little bit about how the army plays, but real quick, we're going to stop for our third sponsor of the day, Siege Studios. And now for a word from our sponsor, Siege Studios. They are the experts in providing professional miniature painting services, ensuring your armies always look their best on the battlefield. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, Siege Studios can help bring your miniatures to life. Don't miss out on their quality craftsmanship. All right, before we get out of here, uh, Matt, this seems like there's a couple of viable play styles just with this one detachment. Um, there's obviously the the heavy brick of the, the warrior spam build. Uh, there's the, as you mentioned, there's theoretically a, monologue, a monolith build, although that's not something you've put your time and energy into. Um, and then there's the Lich Guard. I want to call it a spam build, but where you're definitely using Lich Guard as sort of the, the center point of your list. Um, any other like key like concept builds that um, people might want to consider? Yeah, so just keep in mind with Necrons, you're very slow. You want to make sure when you're writing lists, you have units to do secondaries. I can't stress this enough. As you're sitting there looking at your army, you go, okay, I got my, I got my Lich Guard, I got my Satans, I got my, my big guns, I got, I got all my stuff. And then you get to the table and realize, okay, let's see my first two cards for the turn. Engage in all fronts and behind enemy lines. Oh. <laughs> Crap. You need, you need units to do secondaries. I would devote like 400 points minimum, maybe even more, to do just secondaries almost. Like, you really gotta do that. Because... Your primary game, super strong and easy. Ready? Take Lich Guard, put on objective, profit. Done. We did it. <laughs> We're there, people. Go ahead. Yeah, we, now. we did it. Every, yeah. I, like, I can't. I maxed every single game I won at Nova, I maxed primary. Okay. You, you, you take Lich Guard Brick, you put it in the center field objective, you have the Canoptic Reanimator within 12 inches of them. And that's it. That's it. That's it. Like that's yours now. What are you? What are you parking on your? What are you parking on your on your deployment zone objective? Uh so it depends because some of the missions, your deployment zone objective doesn't even matter. In some objectives layouts, you can actually just have the canoptic reanimator sitting there. Okay. Because if if he's behind a wall on the objective, guess what? He's multitasking. Right. <laughs> um, I often have the heavy destroyers lingering in that area as well i'll often have at least one tagging it just in case like indirect or deep strikers happen um if there's a matchup where i know my home field objective is going to be pressured that's what the race are for um but yeah it's one of those things where it's very matchup dependent where is my home field objective going to be pressured if no i can just put like one destroyer on it and call it a day if i know it's going to be pressured that's when i can start okay maybe i'll put a race unit there as well Maybe I'll leave a flayed one unit back there or something. Figure that out. Um, but yeah, you, you need to do secondaries. You got to keep in mind how fast you are because a lot of your units are only moving five inches. Uh, you're not getting anywhere anytime fast. Turn one, you're going to be advancing most of your army, getting into position. You're not an alpha strike army. Don't even try. It's not going to happen. The only thing you can do as an alpha strike style thing is uh, veil darknessing and maybe getting a nine inch charge or trying the veil of darkness and shoot with 20 warriors which 
it'll kill a unit, and then your warriors will be tied up for the rest of the game. You're very sad. Um, so just keep that in mind. You need units like Aphidians or Flayed Ones or individual Locust Destroyers or Scarabs or pick whatever flavor you want for your secondary game and commit to it. I won the primary so hard in the games that I did play at Nova that I'm looking at currently weakening my primary game to up my secondary game. Uh, my Nova list was very small and condensed. I had two Satan and two Lich Guard Bricks and not a lot to play the flanks. Uh, I had three individual destroyers and that was about it for my like action monkeys and stuff. And I definitely felt like I needed more. So I would highly suggest doing what I'm doing where I'm taking some Ophidians and some individual destroyers and running around doing stuff. Okay. Um, and are you playing uh, tacticals or fixed on this? I'm assuming tacticals. So yes, Necrons actually play, as long as you commit to your secondary game having some points dedicated to it, you do tacticals very, very well. Um, worth noting though, if you look at a matchup and go, oh, I can do fixed here super easy, you absolutely should. Uh, for example, um, Cleanse, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. We're doing actions on no man's land objectives. Right. Lich guard. They ain't doing anything else. Do that. Like sit on that center field objective and cleanse every turn. Worst case scenario, they they try to kill you. They ain't gonna kill you. <laughs> that's, that's a joke. That ain't happening. Uh, and then the race, for example, because they have pistol, they could do cleanse on the center field objective as well. If they, even if they're in combat, it's an option. Uh, you could very easily do like engage behind enemy lines and deploy teleport homers as well as Necrons with all your like little action monkey units, your single destroyers, your Ophidians, your flayed ones and stuff. Necrons actually have really, really good objective play, and that's actually my biggest draw to it. Okay, awesome. Very cool. All right. Any other uh, last minute thoughts you want to throw out there for everybody? Um, don't take Doomsday Arcs, kids. <laughs> and everybody stop and look at the Tim Sentinel. Yeah, yeah, Give it a yeah, look. look at Tim Sentinels. Debate if you want to go through that that awful time building and all that. I it's horrible. I've started already. It's really bad. <laughs> um uh take Lich Guard. Uh one unit will suffice. Um two units if you really want to send a message. Uh three, <laughs> unit, three units might be greedy. All right. Sounds good. All right, so Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for uh, the Necron, the review of the uh, Necron's uh, 10th edition index. I uh, really appreciate everybody giving us your time and your attention. Next episode, uh, George Checkley is going to be back uh, with me. We're going to talk Grey Knights. And after that, Steven's going to be back. We're going to try to get together for a chat about his prep for LGT. Uh, until then, this is Dave Caldwell for Matt Laura and all of Vanguard Tactics saying, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in the rain. And seriously, if you guys haven't seen it, watch Blade Runner. It's amazing. All right, that's it. Have a great week. Take care.